Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily. I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the Rich or poor. But in those particular positions, I just don't want a poor person. Does that make sense? He was the populist protest president that divided the United States for so many reasons. We received a lot of questions online, Mr. Trump, about the tape that was released on Friday. As you can imagine, you called what you said locker room banter. You described kissing women without consent, grabbing their genitals. That is sexual assault. You bragged that you have sexually assaulted women. Do you understand that? No, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. This was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I apologize to my family. I apologize to the American people. Certainly, I'm not proud of it. But this is locker room talk. The truth is, I ran twice. I won twice. And I did much better the second time. And he continues to do so. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me, take the effing mags away. But despite, and perhaps because of, the ongoing past and present controversies that defined his election campaign, his presidency and his political future, Donald Trump certainly hasn't gone away. I'm Denise Callanan, and today we're talking all things Trump, from his presidential legacy to what happens next. I'm joined by Irish independent political journalist John Downing and Greg Swenson, chair of the Republicans Overseas UK. No, not you, not you. Your organization's terrible. Your organization's terrible. Let's go. Go ahead. Quiet. Quiet. Go ahead. She's she's asking a question. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. You are fake news. John Downing, Irish independent political journalist. You don't need to be an expert to be familiar with what Donald Trump stands for. But can you take us back to the run-up to that 2016 election? Because for most of us, Donald Trump at the time was just a very rich man who hosted a reality TV show. Uh, indeed, anything we knew about him was uh, that he was, he was something of a clown character, a, a rather risable individual. And I think he traded on that. And probably the, the one word that comes uh, to me when I think of Donald Trump becoming President of the United States of America in November 2016 was the word underestimated. 
He was underestimated by everybody, by his allies, by uh, by his opponents, especially inside uh, the uh, Republican Party. Nobody believed that he, that this was going to happen. They thought he'd have a bit of a run. Then they thought, well, you know what, he'd have a good run and good luck to him. Uh, but uh, in the end, we're going to get a serious uh, professional politician here because that's what happens. But it didn't. He went all the way and he became president of the United States. It was a surreal moment. Uh, he did everything. He portrayed himself, especially as the non-politician politician. And he managed to convince uh, the, the dispossessed to a large degree. His huge appeal was to the Rust Belt, to uh, wh- white, uh, Caucasian, blue-collar workers who had lost their livelihoods, who had lost their position in society, who were uh, confounding the ending of discrimination against other ethnic groups, really was their loss of hegemony. They felt it was a matter of discrimination against them. He sold all these things, all of these negatives, and he rode in really on on a cloud of negativity and uh, reactionary stuff. There was also what was what was pithily called the white lash. Um, two terms of Barack Obama. Two terms of talk about equality, talk about uh, civil liberties, and so on. People were fed up of it and they decided Trump would be the man to fix the case. And when it comes to Donald Trump, John, in the run-up to his election, his views on everything from women to immigrants became very clear to people. Can you give us a little bit of a brief on that? Well, he traded, and, and it's a very common one. It's it's the thing that, that in that year also gave us Brexit. The, the slogan in Britain, take back control, was a dog whistle to people saying, well, uh, those Europeans, uh, they're leaving in far too many immigrants. Uh, we take back control. We don't do we, we won't do that. Similarly, he started talking about building a wall. He'd build a wall uh, across the Mexican uh, U.S. Mexican border. Not only that, but the Mexican he'd, he'd somehow contrived to make the uh, Mexican government pay for that wall. Uh, stuff emerged about his behavior towards women. Uh, groping, quite frankly, excuse me for saying that, and and being quite proud about that of that sort of behaviour towards uh, attractive young women who came into his ambit when he had money and he had power as an employer, and uh, a host of other things, very unpleasant. He gloried in it. He very famously said um, that he could. Uh, with impunity, shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue in New York in broad daylight, and he his poll ratings would remain the same. And you know what? Sadly, there was a large element of truth to that. Yeah, he did have quite a number of memorable quotes, John. Like you said there, his Fifth Avenue quote, his build a wall quote, um, his slogan, make America great again. But on, in, on the international stage, even something like his fire and fury comments, um, you know, regarding Kim Jong-un and North Korea. Can you give us a little bit of idea about his international relations? Well, internationally, he wanted, uh, on the one hand, uh, to withdraw the uh, elements of America first. Now, that's not unique to him. It's not unique to Republicans. Uh, when you go to the poorer states in, in uh, the, the USA, you find uh, young people, there are fewer options but, but to join the forces. 
And then you find them in really strange places that I, I can't imagine, since a, a lot of people in America don't know where England is, don't know where Europe is and so on. Suddenly they're told that their their son is in Afghanistan, he's in Chad, he's in, you know, God knows where. And sometimes, uh, too, too frequently, uh, that poor young man comes back in a box. So the idea of uh, withdrawing and the, America doesn't have to be the world's policeman, he was positing that on the one hand. Yet on the other hand, he was also saying, will stand up to the whole lot of them, uh, to China, to China, especially on in matters of trade, uh, because of uh, the, the ubiquitous uh, nature of what we see as Chinese goods in, in every world market. Um, so he was, on the one hand, <clears throat> withdrawal, withdrawalist, and on the other hand, quite belligerent in his talk and in his stances. Best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. And now we're seeing the fallout of his legacy as President John in the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And we, we've the Capitol riot hearings on at the moment. But his voters, voters and his supporters seem to be standing firm. And he's still on that pedestal from 2016 for so many people, isn't he? He is absolutely, uh, despite uh, his his handling of of uh, COVID was utterly atrocious. His, some of his statements, he got it himself uh, f- quite famously. ...have come out about the hydroxy. A lot of good things have come out. And you'd be surprised at how many people are taking it, especially the frontline workers, before you catch it. I happen to be taking it. Hydroxychloroquine? I'm taking it. Hydroxychloroquine. Right now, yeah. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do, either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. But he does have a very, very strong uh, core of supporters who, irrespective of what he does, they will believe him. He has propounded the idea of fake news and anything that is mainstream, anything that is realistic can be very easily dismissed as fake news. And that probably is one of his great legacies. This phrase, fake news, is is in uh, play at every level of society, not, not just in the United States, but uh, across the Western world. He is very, very keen to stay on the pitch. And we understand all, all the signals, the, the ripples and echoes coming from uh, his immediate camp of advisors is that, that he will have a go again in 2024. He is likely to say, he's likely to make this announcement. Traditionally, it's not really done until at least after the uh, the midterm elections, which are coming up in, in November of this year, 2022. Uh, so I, I do expect him to field and uh, he will be difficult to beat. Um, it's not that there aren't others. There are at least a half dozen other ambitious and able people looking for the Republican nomination. But he holds a very strong sway in the Republican Party and he he very probably will field and he may well be very difficult to beat. We could be um, reliving the past years again, John. And and do you think that the Capitol riot 
and, you know, that event in January 2021 and the hearings at the moment, it's been likened to a presidential legacy akin to Watergate. Do you think this is what Trump's going to be remembered for or will people forget? I think it, it's in the longer sweep, in the longer and the broader sweep of history, I think this will loom very large when, when the history books are being written. Uh, it is a most outrageous and atrocious scenario that he he has propounded the lie and it's very largely accepted by, by far too many Republican supporters, mainstream supporters, that the 2020 election was stolen from him. It was no such thing. And even hardline uh, right-wing Republicans who were for some, on many occasions supporters of Donald Trump do not accept that for a second. I hope. I, by the way, of course, Denise. I didn't believe he was going to win in twenty sixteen. <laughs> uh, in twenty sixteen, either. I think we were um, all a bit shocked. Again, I yet again believe he won't win in twenty twenty four. But watch this face. That sinking feeling. Greg Swenson, chair of the Republicans Overseas UK. There's been much speculation around whether President Trump will run for re-election in 2024. But is it a sure thing? I don't think it's a sure thing. I mean, it is great speculation. And I'm asked this question often and I just I can't put a number on it. You know, I'm very it's it's easy to be vague at this stage because it's still you know two years away or at least a year from when the candidates will announce. And so I think there's plenty of time for reevaluation and plenty of time for other candidates to, to kind of rise in, in profile. So it's difficult to say. I, I think what, what everyone agrees, at least in, in the, the circles, you know, the Republican circles, is that the president will only run if he knows he can win. And, you know, that's not a sure thing. And it's, it's still far away. It's the, I think if the election were tomorrow, he would run in spite of the, you know, the hearings in Washington. Um, I think he would run and he, he'd win comfortably. But that's, you know, that's saying more about the Biden administration than it is about Trump. And so, the, you know, the, the great question is, does his appeal to this, you know, certain voting blocks outweigh the baggage that he has from, you know, from his sort of unfiltered, um, you know, behavioral challenges, right? So Because he does I, he does have a lot of baggage, Greg. Um, I think yeah, that's fair absolutely. to say. And just to have to have an insider look at politics, what do you think the factors are that Trump would be considering right now, do you think? Well yeah, again, I, I think he's considering whether he'd win or not. I don't think, you know, given his ego, I, I don't think he wants he'd take the risk of running and losing. And, you know, again, I, I think he'd win. If it was today, but I do think there are other candidates with a better chance of winning um, that could bring a lot of the Trump enthusiasts along with him or her, and and yet you know have have some appeal because there'd be just, you know as as we've both said you know with less baggage. Um, so I look if if I I would prefer that it's someone else. I would prefer a Ron DeSantis or Mike Pompeo or Nikki Haley. Or even Tom Cotton. Um, I don't know that Mike Pence can can be the person um, just because of his his person, you know, his his conflict with Trump right now. And if they could kiss and make up, 
I think he'd be a great candidate. But but I I I'd have, I mean maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, and I'm sure you were going to ask this question. But I would I would argue that um, Ron DeSantis is in a just a fantastic position right now. You know I think you're seeing DeSantis DeSantis Ron DeSantis's profile really elevated. You know it started with COVID. You know in the way he handled that he just absolutely crushed it in Florida with COVID and lockdowns or lack thereof, I should say. And, and then even since then with some of the, you know, sort of cultural issues. So he's, he's got that fighter attitude that Trump brought to the party that was very unusual in 2016, you know, for the, you know, the party that was known as, as you know, winning the, winning the intellectual debates, but often losing elections. Yeah. And, and, and so Trump brought that fighter spirit. And I think Ron DeSantis and Pompeo and Tom Cotton all have that fighting spirit. Proud of your boy! Proud of your boy! Yeah, just for awareness, be advised, there's probably about 300 uh, Proud Boys. They're marching eastbound in this uh, 400 block of um, kind of independence, actually on the mall towards the United States Capitol. I am not allowed to say what's going to happen today because everyone's just going to have to watch for themselves. We lost the line. We lost the line. All of the news came back. All of the news came back up to the open deck. And do you think at all, Greg, that the hearings about Capitol Hill at the moment have done any damage to Trump? I, I don't think so. And when I first see the headlines, you know, in the morning from, you know, let's say last night's hearings or yesterday's, you know, the, the first headlines come across and you think, oh, OK, this is going to be bad for Trump. But then when when everybody settles down and, and there's a bit of perspective and balance, you realize, you know, a few things. One is the people that really dislike Trump are, are not going to be moved by these hearings. They already dislike him, Right. And, and the people that support him are not particularly moved by the hearings because nothing really new has come out. You know, even even the here uh, the, the comments two days ago from the, the staffer um, uh, Hutchinson. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Cassidy um, Hutchinson. That, yeah, thank thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, those those were those were probably the maybe the most surprising. You know, it's the first time that we really heard anything that we didn't already know. But, you know, again, it was a lot of hearsay you know, I think she did very well at protecting herself from from perjuring herself by admitting that it was hearsay or, you know, she said, I, I heard this or I overheard that. Um, you know, a couple of uh, Secret Service men have, have volunteered to, to testify to say that a lot of that wasn't true. And so, you know, again, that's that's going to it'll it will probably create some enthusiasm on the left that they're having these hearings. But because there is no legitimate Republican participation. So there's no cross-examination. There's This is not bipartisan at all. It's completely partisan. It It's kind of lacked credibility. And, and again, that doesn't mean that, that people who dislike Trump are going to be fired up about it. And But I don't think it's going to sway many independents or, or you know, people that were on the fence. It might a little bit, but I, I don't think it's meaningful. Again, you know, people don't really need these hearings to, to like or dislike Trump. You know, yeah. so they all have to, all they have to do is watch the president and you either like it or you don't. And you know, the fact that he he's able to create enthusiasm and excitement on the right and massive resentment on the left is not new. And that's that's not something that is coming out of these hearings. That's something that's been baked in for six years now. 
And Greg, from Donald Trump's point of view now, out of office, how easy is it to stay relevant when you're not in the Oval Office, do you think? Yeah, it's a great question, Denise. And, and he's one of the few who's managed to stay relevant. And part of that's, you know, his personality and he's, you know, putting out announcements all the time. I, I don't necessarily think that's a good idea. Um, you know, in, in fact, it probably annoys people uh, to a certain degree. But, you know, those those taboos were, were broken in the last few election cycles. You know, there, it was common that that prior presidents would refrain from criticizing sitting presidents. And I think Bill Clinton was, was very consistent with not being, you know, notably critical or even saying anything about, about George W. And W respected Obama when he was in office. And that, that completely changed when Trump won in 16. And, and Obama and other Democrats, especially Hillary Clinton, were, were awfully, awfully vocal about Trump. They were called him illegitimate. They endorsed the Russia collusion hoax. I mean, it, it just kind of broke the norm. And I'm not suggesting that, that Trump would not have broken it anyway, but but that precedent was set in 2017 when he took office. And so it, it kind of, in a, in a terrible way, enabled President Trump to be as, as vocal as he is. I'm not suggesting that, that it's healthy, I mean, he's right most of the time, but I'm not sure it's it's the right, you know, the, the right method. Do you think he's right? Do you think he's right most of the time, Greg? Yeah, I think he is mo- right most of the time. And, and many times, you know, again, when I f- you see the first headline and you think, oh, you know, oh, oh boy, Trump's done it again. And then, you know, then, you, then you then you just analyze what he actually said, or more importantly, what he actually did and what he's what he did while president was, for the most part, constructive. The outcomes were fantastic for American people, not not for Republicans, but just for people in, in general. You pro- I could probably, I could definitely argue that his outcomes were phenomenal. He was right most of the time, made some mistakes for sure, but but that's that's what's most important to American voters. So, and and that's the that's the, the probably the most notable. Uh, issue with the Trump phenomenon is that people began to not care about the the loudness and the the lack of manners and you know sort of the unseemliness of Trump because they just gave up on that you know we had you know Mitt Romney and John McCain and George W and that generation of Republican uh, what I would call country club Republicans who, who were often right and could win an intellectual argument, but they couldn't convert it into legislation or outcomes. And Trump was loud enough and obnoxious enough to, you know, call it out, call out dishonesty um, in in on the left or in the media, and and actually win. And and that you know was is a, is a new phenomenon. And and some of us kind of missed the you know we miss the the country club Republicans sometimes. You know the, the Mitt Romney who. You know, you you agreed with, but didn't really could never really get it done, and and so that's I think people have just said, you know, what Jan six really bad day. You know, nobody's endorsing what happened that day. Nobody's ever really supported the the crazies in the in the Viking costumes and all that. But they can just overlook it and say, okay, Trump obviously made mistakes and and got carried away, but 
who cares? Like I just, and I'm not arguing that that's the way I felt, but for the most part, the voters are looking at, you know, the behavior and saying, okay, it's obnoxious, but I don't care. I want outcomes. And he got me outcomes. And that's, that's what I think people remember, especially now after the, you know, complete debacle of the Biden administration, you know, with, with inflation and the economy and, the, you know, the defense spending and Afghanistan, you, you name it. I mean, I won't bore you with the list, but that, that's why the, the Jan 6 hearings, the commission is falling on deaf ears. My thanks to John Downing and Greg Swenson. I'm Denise Callanan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Siobhan McGuire, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, and recording and sound design by John Smith. Archive clips were from Global News, ABC, CNN, The Washington Post, The Guardian, C-SPAN, and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.